in the name of Jesus, who has authority to forgive sins, dear friends in Christ, what is your greatest need? There may be different things going on in your life that would lead you to answer that question differently at different points in time. If you asked a man named Esau from the Old Testament what his greatest need was when he came in from the field starving hungry, you could have heard him say, a bowl of stew or I will die. But long after Esau's stomach was full, his greatest need still remained empty. If you asked a certain man who was caught out in a lightning storm where he thought he was going to be struck by lightning and die, what his greatest need was, you could have heard him crying out, Saint Anne, help me, save me from the storm. But long after that storm was over, Martin Luther's greatest need still remained. If you asked me at 3.30 yesterday what my greatest need was, I might have told you that getting the sermon memorized for 5.30 p.m. when I had to deliver it, that was my greatest need. That wouldn't be the truth. Maybe as the year 2020 has turned into 2021, you thought your greatest need might be that a safe vaccine comes along and with it, hopefully the end to the COVID pandemic once and for all. But the vaccine is nearly here. Maybe some of you have received it already. And yet, there will always be something to take its place. But if you were thinking that that might possibly be our greatest need, you wouldn't be alone because when I Google searched the phrase, we need the pandemic to end, it was 648 million hits for that search. I'd say it's on the top of a few people's list. Our greatest need is not something temporary not something that can come about in this world as a temporary fix to any problem we face because there will always be another problem, another urgent need, more strife in our nation, another visit to the hospital, another stack of bills. And that just goes to show that nothing in this world can be the temporary fix to our greatest problem because our greatest need is like a black hole that only Jesus can fill. So in our text today from Mark chapter 2, we see the story of four friends who bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus with an urgent and pressing need but we see Jesus both reveal and heal that man's greatest need, and it was not his legs. So Jesus had just come back from his first preaching tour around Galilee, where he had been preaching and healing people and casting out demons, and now he had returned to the place where he had been living, the town of Capernaum. 
And even though he had given people specific directions that said, don't go and tell everybody that I've healed you, well, the news spread pretty fast, and pretty soon Jesus had all kinds of publicity to the point where he couldn't even enter a town publicly anymore without being mobbed by a huge crowd of people looking to be healed. And this day was no different. Jesus had come home, and the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left not even outside the door. And Jesus preached the word to them. You see, this was his first priority. This is part of the reason that he had been moving on from one town to another so that he could actually get to preach. See, he wasn't interested in just becoming the town's resident magic healer. Jesus was on a mission to preach. He was there to address a far greater need. And so this day, as he's preaching to a packed house, a sold-out crowd with standing room only outside the door, suddenly there's dust that starts falling from the roof. And you can hear these guys tromping around up there, and pretty soon there's light coming through the roof because these guys are literally peeling off the roof. See, there were four friends who had brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus, and they just had to get him to Jesus. But now they had to get creative since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, then lowered the mat that the man was lying on, right in front of Jesus. I can just imagine Peter's mother-in-law, whose house maybe this is, she's probably standing there with a rolling pin because they just peeled off the roof and made a hole. And I can hardly imagine how distracting that might have been for Jesus as he's preaching when all of a sudden he's rounding the corner to his conclusion and there's a body that drops through the roof right in front of him. So what is Jesus going to do? All eyes are on him as this paralyzed man lies before him. He's going to heal him, right? He's got to heal him. This is what Jesus does. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. What? Jesus, are you blind? Get back here, man. Heal the man's legs. <laughs> there, we get, there again we see part of our problem that we can't even see what our greatest problem and what our truly greatest need really is. But... We like to think that we can tell God what it is as if it's some temporary fix to a problem in this life. And here, Jesus, the great physician of body and soul, stands over his patient and he reveals the man's greatest need. See, this man's body bears the effects of a terrible disease called sin. Now this is a 
a spot for careful understanding because what I'm not saying is that this man was paralyzed because of some sin that he had committed or that his parents had committed. See, that was the way that the Jewish rabbis thought and taught because on another occasion, we hear them asking Jesus, Rabbi, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his sin or the sin of his parents? And Jesus assures them, neither. But what the Bible does tell us is that mankind bears the curse of frustration that has come upon the world because of our fall into sin. And so, in a general way, people will have diseases and sicknesses and illnesses and frustration, and those are just side effects of the terminal disease that infects every one of us, sin. That's the disease that will separate us from God if it is not cured. So Jesus looks right through all of the outward side effects and he addresses this man's greatest need. He reveals that his priority is not to heal the man's legs, but to look into his heart and see what's there. He reveals that man's greatest need, and as he's standing over him, he assures him, your sins are forgiven. Right now, at this very moment, even while you still remain paralyzed, you have the cure for your greatest need through faith. Your sins are forgiven. What a relief that would have been for this man who had likely been made to think that his paralysis was somehow God's vindictive punishment and retribution on his sin. Jesus assures him that he is right with God and that his sins are forgiven. Jesus not only reveals the man's greatest need, but he also heals it right in front of them all. A hush falls over the crowd. This is certainly not what they were expecting. They thought that Jesus was going to heal the man. Instead, he forgave his sins. And, just as always, there's someone sitting that doesn't like what they're seeing or hearing. So, there's these teachers of the law standing by wondering, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And technically, they're right, because only God has the authority to forgive sins, and no one can take that right away from him. The only problem is, at this point, the teachers of the law are really standing there accusing God of being God, because Jesus standing right in front of them, the Son of God, and he is revealing who he truly is by all the signs that he's doing, but they don't want to open their eyes and see. But they're about to get more proof of the fact that Jesus really is God because before they even say anything, immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, 
get up, take your mat, and walk. Well, which is easier? See, I could say to you all day long that your sins are forgiven, and you would have no way to verify or prove that I was wrong, because none of us have a spiritual x-ray machine that can look inside our hearts and tell whether our sins are forgiven. But if I say to a paralyzed man, get up, and he doesn't, then I'm going to be exposed faster than you can call me a quack. So which is easier? Well, maybe it's easier to say your sins are forgiven, but it's harder to prove that one. And now Jesus is going to use the one that's easier to verify, saying to the man, get up and walk. He's about to use that one to prove that he has authority to do the other. So Jesus says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and went home in full view of them all. Jesus has authority to forgive sins, and he revealed it by doing something that only God could do, doing this miracle in front of all of their eyes. And they praise God and say, we have never seen anything like this. See, Jesus was simply revealing the truth that the Bible had stated all along. You heard it in the words of our first lesson today from Isaiah, where it said, the privilege and the authority that Jesus has as God, I, even I, am he who blots out transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. That is his privilege as God to forgive sins, to reveal and to heal your greatest need. But let's get one thing straight here. Saying to a man, get up and walk, was by no means easier than Jesus accomplishing the authority to forgive sins. See, Jesus had to pour out his very lifeblood in order to win and accomplish this privilege to give forgiveness full and free for you. Your greatest need is the hole that only Jesus can fill, and he fills it fully and freely with his grace in the forgiveness of sins. Now let me point out one final thing before we close today. Need to let you in on something. If those teachers of the law had been sitting here among us today, they would have been happy to point out that at the beginning of the service, Pastor Wardell committed blasphemy. Because he said to you, Your sins are forgiven. Now, what gives him that right? To be able to say that, who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, 
Jesus gave him that right when after his resurrection he appeared to his disciples and gave them this charge. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. With that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone their sins, their sins are forgiven. So it is by the authority of Christ and by his command that believers continue to gather to fill each other's greatest need. So dear friends, we proclaim to you the forgiveness of, sin, of sins from the one who remembers your sins no more. Amen. Please stand.